Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Some of the offensive issues have also related back to it, and just some of the the shot turnovers Mm -hmm. that the Warriors take that just set their defense up to be poorly. The home road component has been weird, too, as far as just looking at, at defense. I think the Warriors are top five or so at home defensively, but then on the road, oh, it's, it, I mean, which is, it's, it's very much in line with the overall record, 23-7 home, 7-23 on the road, but it's, it, the big, re- big reason why is, I think late in games, the Warriors haven't been good on the road, and in mm-hmm. some close games that they haven't been able to close out. They've, some of their stars have missed some of the road games. And, but it just, but defensively is the biggest dramatic difference among all is just they they're able to defend at a higher level at home than they are on the road yeah. that's why i think when you look at all the things right now that are kind of up in the air for the words from health um you got some roster concerns going forward you're not sure about bob myers and so with uh everything kind of hanging in the balance there's so many things it's really great that they have a young positive here apparently starting to blossom in Patrick Baldwin Jr. And he's had two good games in a row, so there's a long ways to go. But I just really hope he becomes very soon a really good player because I I could be wrong, J.D., I don't think I am, but but I'm really tired of the fans who blame Steve Kerr for, oh, they don't develop the young players. They had to trade Wiseman, and that's on Kerr. And Moody, they should play him more, and he plays the two-way guys. It's all on Kerr. And I think there are some people who actually think that Kerr didn't want James Wiseman to succeed here. I think if Joey Bart ends up as a failure with the Giants, some people will blame Steve Kerr. And I just <laughs> I just think it's ludicrous. And you know that he wants all these players to be great so they win every game. And I just hope PBJ continues to grow and evolve so that that noise gets a little quieter, a little less annoying. It's not the coach's fault that James Wiseman did not develop to become the player the Warriors hoped he would be. It also takes time, and the Warriors just don't have the time. I mean, they they just, if the Warriors, I, there was a text in the Xfinity Mobile text line about, about Wiseman. I didn't read Wiseman's line last night. Did you happen to see Wiseman's line last night? I saw Sadiq Bey's line last night. No, I have to check it. I, I, I admit I didn't see it last no, night. No, but anyway, the, the, there was a text about, you know, Wiseman you know, playing well, basically, with, with Detroit. I know and, Thursday had a nice game. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday he had a nice game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Thursday he had a nice game. They're actually playing... They're playing right now. They're playing Toronto, yeah, right? Toronto yeah, Toronto and Detroit. And looking at Wiseman. Well, he uh, was 4 for yeah, ten, 10, and he, he had 10. Wiseman started. Wiseman started oh, okay. this game today. He's got 10 points. He's mm-hmm. got 10 and 10. That's and pretty good. 10 and 10 in 20 <laughs> minutes. 
Are they and, losing? Uh, it's tied with two minutes to go. Okay. Yeah. What's, sh- what's he shooting? Today? He's five of nine. All right. Oh, well, oh, that's, yeah. Oh, one three. He's got ten. But he's fouled out of this game as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, yeah. He fouled out. He, in, in 20 minutes, he fouled out. But yeah, 10 and 10 uh, for James Wiseman. And I wish him the best. But and there so, you go. That's the Wiseman experience right there. Yeah. And, and so it, the Pistons have the time. They're 15 and 45. Like that's, it's been discussed a lot, but the, the, the Warriors, and I think this is where there is such a fan frustration is that there was just this belief that the Warriors were going to make all the pieces be able to fit. And Wiseman could have been a viable backup center while he developed and became something more special on a team that could contend for a championship. That Kaminga could play 25 to 30 minutes a night as the seventh man and develop and be a future star. And that Moody could do every, you know, it could, could be in that same vein. They could do everything that, you know, Gary Payton the second did different, different type of mm-hmm. player, but be impactful and, and play his time. And, and because, and it just, it was not working. It doesn't mean that those players stink. It doesn't mean that those players can't go on to beat, but, but they were victims in a lot of instances of, the Warriors being a team that had won a championship and that had expectations that are very much different than than some of these other teams where these players would go. That's just that's just the reality. The Pistons can the Pistons can wait around for James Wiseman. They've been trying to win this year. Yeah, they would like, rather not win this year. They would rather not win this year. And if Moses Moody was in a different situation and he was playing 25, 30 minutes a game, his numbers would would probably look better. And and the team he was on wouldn't wouldn't be winning. Let me let me ask people this, uh, all the Moses Moody fans. I like Moses Moody, but I've been thinking about this a lot because people call this show. I know you probably hear him a lot on Warriors Live and Warriors Rap, and people wonder why the two-way guys are playing and Moses Moody's not. How come Ty Jerome and Lamb are playing, Moses Moody's not? And I like Moses Moody. I like he's so mature, and he has a, such an understanding of the game. Tell me, because I don't see it if it's there right now. Tell me one thing about Moses Moody that he does very well. And that doesn't mean if yeah, it's, it's, I, I, and I'm not I'm not being a jerk, but it's crickets. Uh, yeah, he's not a great shooter right now. Right, I think he projected to be coming out of college and still could be. I think he was he was thought to be a three and D wing. Yeah, and I think what's happened is he's not quick enough to really be a guard, and he's not long or tall right. enough to truly be a wing, and so he is caught. Right. As much as tweener's gone away in yeah. the NBA, he's caught a little bit as a tweener, and he hasn't shot it well when he's played. Yeah, the book is not closed on him, I know, and he could still become a really good player. So I'm not trying to blame him or single him out or, or, or dog him or be a hater. I'm just saying the people that blame Kerr, like, why does he play the two ways and not Moses Moody? Well, the two ways have given you a floor of where, for the most part, you know what to get from them. And I know Lamb has really tailed off. Moody, and you know, he played well against the Lakers, and they put him out there last night early, and he didn't do much. To this point, there's just nothing about his game that's... I don't think there's one single thing about his game that stands out. And I don't see why people want to blame Steve Kerr for that all the time. 707 on the Xfinity Mobile text line. What's the difference between the Warriors and the Pistons? The Warriors aren't winning either. Well, there's 15 games in the standings. Yeah, that's, there's a difference there. <laughs> there's 15 games in the standings. And I know, I mean, part of the reason why the Warriors are where they are is they lost to the Pistons twice. And one of those was shorthanded. But I know. the game they lost early 
in the year was an embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was that game. I think you did pre and post game. I did. You didn't, uh, you didn't back, want any part back of it. in back in October. I saw that one coming. Yeah, uh, I'm going to the 49er game. I saw that one coming. Yeah, the, the 49ers were playing at, at the Rams that day. Uh, but uh, no, it, it the the piss, there is just a difference. The Warriors have, and, and I think that, in fairness to the the texture, that is part of this deal for the fans. Is I, I think. In a sense, they've gotten a little bit spoiled to the point of, well, oh, it doesn't look like this team can win a championship. So then you then you have to develop. The, the truth is, it could be worse. Mm-hmm. It could be worse. Yeah. Yes. I think you were having this conversation with yes. Larry yesterday on the mm-hmm. on the afternoon show, and it's like, well, why? Like, would it? The question is, and it's a fair question. Would it be worse if you were playing the young guys all the time? Yes, I think so. I it think would. We saw you'd be, evidence you'd, of that. Be clo- you'd actually be closer to the Pistons yeah. than you are to, to what you are. Yeah, and you can't. You can't punt on a season where the West is mediocre and you're still one five six game winning streak away from from being in the playoffs. And one more thing, and you have the the championship. Like, it, it's a disservice to the guys who have won the championships to just punt for development's sake. And and this whole season has been an admission that you can't have both. Here's another thing. Kuminga, has he developed under Kerr and under the Warriors staff? The last two games, he hasn't been great. You know what? Last two games, his shooting numbers are not great. I think he has nine assists in the last two games combined. Kuminga. When he first got here, I don't think he was capable of doing that. Now that you know, right. you know that, well, they, I'm not saying have, he was game changing, but his game has evolved. That's development. Kaminga has Kaminga has developed because yes. they took a they they and I think he played at the beginning of the year and he and he didn't play well and he was pulled from the rotation multiple times and I think the Warriors finally carved out in an attempt to allow him to be able to play on a nightly basis. They carved out a very specific role for Kaminga. We want you to defend on the ball, want you to rebound, want you to keep it moving mm-hmm. on offense mm-hmm. and take an open shot if the ball finds you and gets kicked back to you. And that was a part, of, I think Tim Kawakami asked Steve about that in the pregame press conference about the the Lakers just didn't guard him the other night from the three-point line, and he took a couple of threes and and didn't hit him. And there's been times where he's taken those threes and hit them. There's mm-hmm. been times where he doesn't. But the Warriors just com- or the Lakers just completely disrespected him. He was off with his shot, and he I think lost some confidence, became ineffective. And the question was about you know, do you want him taking that shot versus not? And Steve Kerr said, you know, that's the shot that the defense wants you to take early in the shot clock. Keep the try to keep the ball moving. Go dribble handoff, make a move, and and stay and cut. You stay in the flow of the offense. And if it comes back to you, then you got to take it yeah. if you're that wide open. But yeah. that's a better shot, more in the rhythm of the game. And so that shot is okay as opposed to the first right. kick it to Great the point. wing yeah. and kick it to the wing and cast off from, mm-hmm. from twenty four. Yeah, and and so, but the Warriors, they you're right. They did develop Kaminga. It, they they carved out a role where he's not going to be a star this year, but they tried to make him playable. Defend, rebound, run the floor, be super athletic, take the open three if it's there. Otherwise, keep it moving first and foremost. Attack the rim any possible time you can have a lane to attack the rim. And and that's allowed him to be effective. He isn't always effective. You're right. Last couple games he wasn't. Couple games before the break he wasn't. But it at least allows him to get on the floor every night, which is a level that they were they were not able to find with yeah. Wiseman. And to 
for the most part, haven't been able to find with with Moody yeah. either. I think he had a good game against the Clippers before the break. But yeah, he's his game is is expanding and it's a work in progress. Yeah. Eight at eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. Uh Filmo Mike. Mikey! What's going on, Filmo? Filmo. <clears throat> man, I forgot about you, JD. I'm sorry, man. But oh no, on my little mean the nice list. I put Whitey way too high. Whitey one of the nicest people, even though I was calling him Blackie for about two years. He don't hold that against me. No. But anyway, of course not, right? Right. Michael Tyler Whitey <laughs> Gleason. Yes, sir. Um, but anyway, um, I just want to say this. Two things. Um, the Warriors development team, they, I, I think they could use some seasoning. Uh, also, I just wanted to say Moody and Kaminga, they need to run in as many pickup games, pickup leagues with, with with even lower competition just to get their game right. I feel like Moody is like he he's very inconsistent. Now, you guys say he's not useful this year, but Kerr threw him in the playoffs last year yeah. and he was very effective. Yeah. If he could figure out master that synergy of what he had in the playoffs last year and bring it to this year. Because I think Moody is more of like a point forward than just a roaming guard, if you if, if you get what I'm saying. I think he could dribble the ball, initiate the offense, come back, get the ball, score a little bit on his own, but initiate the offense. I think he's like that. I don't think he's like a scoring guard. I think he's in the mode of like a, uh, like a point forward, so to speak. That's just my take. And, yeah, Kaminga got to develop the same way. They need to be on the same team, play pickup games, go to go to New York, go to wherever you got to go. But play pickup games and work on your one-on-one game. I think Thanks, I, I agree with that. And just playing is playing. That, that will all help. The, the one part where I do push back, I think it's revisionist. The, the, and this comes up a lot. I think it's revisionist history. The Kerr threw him into playoff games and he was effective. It's not that it's inaccurate. It did happen, but it was, we're talking one or two times. Like, it's not like Moses Moody was playing in every playoff. Like, it, and it worked. He put him in, when, when Kerr put him in, it was in a couple of series where the Warriors were already up three nothing in the series and he, and he helped them. And it just, it, it, he did that with Kaminga, I thought, in the Denver series too. It, it was low pressure type. Type situation, low leverage. It's not that it's and it and it's not that he wasn't effective, but being effective in a short burst in a playoff doesn't carry as much weight as a whole off season of practice time and leading up into the the regular season and practicing with this team this year. You know, six minute run against Dallas in a playoff doesn't. Like, that's great, and yeah. it was awesome he was able to do it, but that doesn't mean you get 15 minutes a night this year in the regular season if you're not practicing well and don't necessarily fit well with this team. I do think, though, it, it looks But it's like... overblown, right? Like I, I feel like it, the, the impact that Moody had in the playoffs, he was trusted in playoff games, people that scream that. N- not really. I think like, the Go reason... back and look at the game logs. Yes, but... he played well in a couple of those games, but it was not like he had all this trust in him. He really didn't have any trust in, really, for the most part, any of the young guys in the playoffs, which is part of the reason why they won the freaking championship, for crying out loud. Okay, I'll give you that, J.D., but I, the reason his minutes did resonate with fans and and with me as well at times. Everybody loves the young players. Well, no, it's, that's part of it. But the main thing is that he looked like he was more mature, and he looked like, wow, he can handle this, and he's on track 
to do more. It looked like the moment was never too big for him. And then this year, it doesn't look like the moment's too big for him. It just looks like he's not doing anything. I think Mike touched on the key uh, to Moody's future when he said, well, he's not, you know, a uh, forward, he's a guard. To me, and we've talked about this, he is a tweener. Just about any way you look at Moody, you find that, well, he's not really this and he's not really that, but he can be kind of a hybrid. He's a hybrid three, two, uh, off guard, small forward, or or point forward because it's hard. He's not big enough and he's a little too big to be handling the ball well he doesn't handle the ball well so that's the future of him is figuring out what exactly he is um like i said i love him but i don't i can't identify one thing right now can you one thing where i look at moody and go he's good at blank no and and that and that's fine he's in his second year yeah yeah and he's been playing on a team that has championship expectations like i don't i don't think it's an epic failure either like that's the other part of it like i not yet I, like yeah. i don't necessarily think he should be playing as much as other people do but i don't think his his career to this point is a failure. No. Uh, and the flip side to that. Both mm-hmm. things can be equally true. All right. 888-957-9570. 888-957-9570. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason here at 95.7 The Game. Clay Thompson to Jerome to DiVincenzo. Tries to draw and kick, feeds over to Kamega. Good catch. Hands off Thompson, squares up, lets it fly. Three ball for Clay. He's been on fire tonight. Six of nine from three, 23 points. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. All right, halfway through here on a Saturday. Let's get started. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. Kind of a Warriors reality check Saturday here with... 22 games to go. The Warriors sitting at 30 and 30. A nice win last night. It's a qualify as a nice win. Yeah, a win right now is a nice win. Yeah, any win, I think, qualifies. It really is. Yeah, it's cliche, a, but it's true. As a nice win. Uh, Clay Thompson going off against the Rockets. It was a vintage Clay game. Second of a back to back. I think that is probably the lead, and that it's another box checked for Clay Thompson, who looked like he wasn't going to play back-to-backs at all. I mean, I'll never forget that night that Steve Kerr said in his pregame press conference back in early November, yeah, I don't think Clay's going to play back-to-backs at any point this year. And then the conversation shifted a few weeks after that. And now not only is he, he playing in back-to-backs, but he plays in the second of a back-to-back last night and, and goes off. Yeah, I thought when Steve Kerr said that, I thought he probably will at some point, but they just don't want everyone asking all the time, is he going to play now? So they just wanted to put that to bed, and they knew hoped that at some point uh, Clay would be ready to go. And, of course, it comes up now at a time when Steph's out, and they really need him to be available. And he really stepped into that role last night. Again, the seven rebounds, very significant. The fact that after the game, Clay talked about how yeah, you know, I get older now, acknowledging that I'm older, not the player I was necessarily. I have to do other things. He was asked to compare. Are you back now? And as you mentioned earlier, J.D., are you back now, Clay, to where you were? I don't really want to go there. So he's in a really good spot, which is significant because we know that earlier this year, you go back to the meltdown in Phoenix, he was in a bad spot. He wasn't playing well, and it was affecting 
his entire game. It affected the way his shot selection, his mood. So it's really nice to see Clay, whether he's old Clay again or not, nice to see him as a real positive force at a time when the team desperately needs that. Well, you look at, at no Steph, no Wiggins, no Draymond, and you know a lot of the times it's I think too much is put on the others to step up. You always have to look at your your best players and your name brand players. Yep. And so yep. it was last night only Clay. And so you look at that game and you you think to yourself, well, Clay's going to have to go off for the Warriors to to win. You want him to be your best player. And he made some tough shots. And and he smoked. Yeah. The Rockets in a couple of games. Really good Rockets team. How about no. the Warriors from three Kidding. against the Rockets? By the way, I, I had this note last night. Last night, twenty six for fifty four from three. Forty eight point one percent on December fourth. The last time the Warriors played the Rockets, they made 25 threes. 25 of 52, 40, exact same, 48.1%. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Shooting November 20th, a game where Clay went for 41. 24 for 47. 51.1% on November 20th. So the Warriors in three games against the Rockets have made 26, 25, and 24 three-pointers. I think that's just recognition that that shot's going to be there against that team. They're so bad. And I know they didn't have Porter Jr. They didn't have Jalen Green last night. They're horrible. And I know that they stayed in that game for a lot longer than the Warriors would have liked. But the Warriors recognize this is what we do, and they can't stop it. So they've had a field day against the Rockets from the three-point line. Let's get to the coach in Vallejo next here on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, coach? Hey, J.D. and Whitey. Good to talk to you on a rainy day. Raining today, Vallejo, Coach? You know what? We had a hailstorm yesterday, and it was something to see. It was Mm -hmm. really really exciting. Okay. All right. (laughs) You know, it doesn't happen often. Yeah, I know. I'll answer the question about about what Moody does well. Please. First of all, okay, off the top, number one, look at the body on that kid, Okay. The guy is cut like a, a Greek god. That's number one. Number two, I think Moody is a very good shooter, 
But I think his strong point is that he has, I hate to use the term, high basketball IQ. But if you notice, any time they play those uh, uh, throwaway-type games and they start moody and he gets like 30 minutes or something, the guy shoots really well. So it's not, you know, it's not easy to shoot when you're in there for two, three-minute stretches and your first shot is a three-point shot. So I think that's kind of, he really hasn't really got a good look. But I want to quickly add that, why do the Warriors not post up Kaminga in the low post? Seem like on offense, they run him down, he runs to a corner, and he stands there. And he just stands there. And that has to be by design, because I know they want to keep the lane open for like a pool drive or something. But man, running to the low post and post that guy up, that turnaround jump shot looks really good down there. What do you guys think about that? You appreciate it. I, I- I don't think Kaminga's. He's a a driver, not a post post up player. They don't like to run a lot of posts. Yeah, they just they, it's not part of what they do. But he's just he's not a post player. He's more he's maybe more of a like a short post face up player. I think he had one of those turnaround jumpers that Coach was talking about last night. Yeah, like yeah, to me, yeah. he would be somebody like you get him on the elbow and let him drive from there. That's that's. I think something that suits his game, but but I don't think dumping it down to him in the post is is necessarily something you want to be doing. Yeah, and coach, I mean, bless you and bless Vallejo, you kind of in some ways confirmed my point. You, you, the first thing we, we, you know, first thing you said that he does well is his body, you know, and that that's not something he does. So you're right. He seems like he's a good shooter, but it's hard to make shots in the circumstances that he's playing. But that's just it. He has to. You have to. You ha- you're you not going to get to play a lot unless you make more shots. So that's just where he is right now. And again, that's, I'm not hating on Moody. I'm just trying to point out that I don't think it's fair to blame Steve Kerr for Moody's lack of development. Somebody on the text line says, Whitey, that tweener talk comes in when a player isn't balling. If he balls out, you won't ever hear tweener talk again. Moses Moody just hasn't been playing well this year. And that's not all on Steve Kerr. No, it, it's not. And and I, I made the the claim last night, and I, I've said this a little bit before, but I I look at a, a guy like Patrick Baldwin, and in some ways he's more intriguing than any of the recent lottery picks. And I've I've said you know Poole is an established player for for what he does in the NBA, but he just Patrick Baldwin Jr. looks more comfortable on an NBA floor four months into his NBA career than any of these other guys have. I mean, go back to Jordan Poole, and we covered that team very closely, the, the, 15, the 15 and 15 team. But, I mean, go back <laughs> go back three years ago, right before everything shut down. Uh, I mean, Jordan Poole was not as comfortable on an NBA floor. Who was then. the Warriors? Who was their best young prospect at that time? It was Eric Pascal. Yeah, yeah. It was Eric Pascal. Second team all-rookie, I think. And ex- exactly, and so it it, it wasn't Smiley Geach either. Remember <laughs> <laughs> Smiley Geach? I just remember how crazy everybody was about. He scored ten points in a game. He's the greatest. I love him. Yeah. And you mentioned Steve Kerr. Hey, coach, Smiley Geach has his own fan club. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, and and I, even you know Kaminga didn't look as comfortable. A year ago, at this time, on an NBA floor, than than even ball. It just it, his game is his height, his skill set. It just it fits. It doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be a better player than any of those guys or not. But he's the one I wonder about. Like I I understand why Moody's not playing, or at least hasn't been to this point. I get Baldwin's farther down on the depth chart because 
he is younger in terms of experience than than the others. But Wiseman, I mean, Wiseman had put up some numbers at times, but didn't look as comfortable. Baldwin just looks smooth and and almost in in some ways the most easily playable that you know than of everybody. Like you just can put him I in, agree. know what you're going to get. You kind of know what his deficiencies are defensively. There were times where the Rockets really tried to drive him and make him defend. Uh, and you know that, I think, can be something that's that's problematic for him. But as far as just, yeah, there's been a lot of, well, why is Anthony Lamb playing over Moses Moody? And Anthony Lamb was a productive player for a good chunk of the year. He's been pretty awful He's recently. He's really tailed off, yeah. And, and so you know, Baldwin does, I think, do some of the things that, that Lamb does, but with a better frame and a little bit more poise to him. He's just got that... It's a beautiful jump shot. I remember noticing that in like the preseason, if not summer league. Did he play in summer league? Maybe it was a preseason. But you can see that, wow, that's that shot goes in, and that's a repeatable motion, and he knows what he's doing. And it looks like, for as much as we've criticized the Warrior draft picks in recent years, and, you know, that's all fair, I think, but it looks like they really might have made a shrewd pick there where you have a guy who was a top prospect coming out of high school, got hurt, and then his draft stock fell. And if you're the Warriors and you're picking, you know, where you're picking, it's like, well, let's roll the dice on this guy. We don't normally get a shot at somebody that talented and yeah, he's available because he got hurt but what the heck? And it looks like that that really might pay off for him and I I wonder if it's realistic for him to have a more significant role going forward. The way he's shooting the ball last couple of games, I think Steve Kerr is going to give him a chance to uh, at least have a, a, a smallish role in the rotation going forward. Yeah, it it, it makes you wonder. For all of the yeah. conversation, I mean, Kaminga's in the rotation. There's there's a lot of hand-wringing over Moody. Moody's got to play. Like Baldwin's frame and skill set, his, just his length, his height, and ability. He's listed to, at 6'9", but I think he's 6'10". To the, the ability to get that shot off. I mean, Steve Kerr mentioned the fact that before the game, I mean, he called him a, a like, he's going to be a future rotation player. Maybe the future sooner than later, but he he referenced just his shot and and the ability. I don't want. Oh, I know where you're going. He mentioned Kevin Durant, like, but it, Kevin Durant, and and then caught himself and said, yeah. hey, "I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant, but it's yeah. a taller player that has essentially an unguardable shot. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he can get his shot whenever because of the height. Really intriguing, and the, obviously the worst could use a little size right now. And so. and so I just you know, again, it, it, it's not like Anthony Lamb is a great defender. Well, him, by the way, last night, and I said, oh, yeah, he's terrible. Whatever. He, he had eight he, points he was, last night. He contributed. Yeah, he contributed. Yeah. He wasn't very good last night, yeah. though. Well, well, he made one of his four three-pointers. But it just it, it kind of made me wonder, with all of the discussion about the young players and how they can contribute, it's just I, I feel like there's a, a, a low-risk, potential high-reward on some nights for Baldwin to be out there, given the fact that he just kind of stands in his spot, be comfortable on defense, just play team defense, don't get exposed completely. He may have more potential than any of the youngsters. We know Kaminga has a great deal of potential. Moody has a lot of potential. They have, uh, you know, they're more visible as prospects, but Baldwin may have, as I think he has as much, if not more, potential than those two. And the Warriors haven't had a lot of stretch fours over the years on, on this team. Otto Porter, mm-hmm. I think, played that role last year, and, and you saw... 
and Otto Porter, obviously a much bigger player and, and could guard bigs defensively and, and just a sturdier player than, than a guy like Baldwin. But but we saw last year from an offensive standpoint what Otto Porter can provide at that spot, shooting the ball. And Porter played some five too, but but just the ability to to have somebody at that position that can make shots does have a tendency to make everything else flow and become more efficient. I love player comps. Sometimes they're not fair, but they're fun. And somebody from the 510 says, for PBJ, Richard Lewis. That's a really good one. Richard Lewis was a really good post yeah. player, though. He was a really good... Like, he would... He, he it was twofold. He could shoot the three, mm-hmm. but he they would dump it down him in the in the... In the post, and and he could work in the post. So I, I don't know. He was offensively, he was a good post player, even though he wasn't the most physical player mm-hmm. in the world. I don't necessarily see that with Baldwin, but yes, Rashard Lewis was a very tall, yeah, rangy wing, shooter, yeah, rangy mm-hmm. shooter, yeah. As as time went on, Sean in Oakland, eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. How you doing? Good. What's going on, Sean? Uh, all right, uh, I wanted to make three points. About uh, the young guys and the whole effect of how they're playing, Draymond Green uh, comment is one of the points about they're not winning with young guys. I feel like uh, last year it seemed like Kaminga, Moody, and all the young guys got more playing time and more chances and more opportunity than this year, and um. It kind of affects the young guys seeing two two-way players get more minutes than them when they was drafted by the by the by the organization. So it's like it kind of hinders their confidence. And I feel like you can't never develop young guys if they don't get enough reps. That's just period point blank. They got to get out there and play. And um, last but not least, uh. How do you feel about the Mike Brown trade? I feel like the Mike Brown trade of him being a head coach was the biggest stab that we can take because we needed him on the defensive end and teaching the young guys how to be in their spots and be in their position, and it's showing a lot this year. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm not sure about as far as the development and the young guys and all that goes to Mike Brown. And look, I think Mike Brown's terrific. He's, I think, the runaway coach of the year, especially as the Kings, I mean, they're third in the West and they're closer to second than they are to sixth at this point. And it's so inevitable when you got a, a, an assistant that talented. He's just not yeah, around. And he waited for what a, a, a job that. And a time on that job, like there was a point a couple of years ago where that wouldn't have been a good job. And I think he he waited on the right time to to take that job, and a time where he was comfortable and felt that he had had you know had enough of a break away from the head chair to to step back in and be successful as somebody that you know was with Cleveland and then you know, back to the Lakers real quick off of that and it doesn't work out and and so I think he was waiting for a situation that he thought would be really good and they he, are terrible defense he's found it there yeah. yeah and and I know and, and he's admitted it the, they, I mean they are they gave up 175 points last night <laughs> and they won. And they won. Yeah. And and that's the thing. But they're winning with offense. Like they are they are winning solely with offense and shooting and, and depth. again, he knows that and he and, has said and, that. And clutch yeah. play. It's not to take anything away from them, but like they are you know, think of how bad the Warriors have been defensively this year. The Kings have been worse. Like not like and it's not even close statistically. Uh so but 
But Brown was a huge part of the Warriors staff, and he was the defensive coordinator, and he had different players to work with, and it it, it worked. So, yes, the, I'm not diminishing the loss of Mike Brown for the Warriors, but, yeah, anybody that's going to get an opportunity to be ahead, I mean, I think that was something he always wanted to do, and you're happy for him. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for Mike Brown. They're, yeah. they're having the best year they've had in 17 years. And as far as, the, you know, the two-way players and playing the guys uh, ahead, playing them ahead of the guys you drafted and the confidence, I mean, you... The reason you develop players is to, because you'll have a better team and you'll win games. You have to, That's what it's all about, right, is winning games. So if I have these guys, these two-way guys, and they're playing well, uh, and then I have the younger guys who haven't played as much but aren't playing well, I, you know what? The two-way guys help me win, and that's what it's all yeah. about. It's I, all about I, that. I also think there's a stigma attached to yes. two-way players that, needs to, that, that maybe needs to go away, and it's different for every team. Some teams sign younger players that are two-way players that that they want to develop and aren't going to play a lot and and know they're going to be spending most of their time in the G League, and, and they might get contracts in the future with that team or another team. A team like the Warriors has to use the two-way deals as a means to acquire more cost-effective talent that can fit in the rotation because they're strapped with the luxury tax. Do you remember where so, Jordan Poole was drafted, what slot they drafted him in? 28, right? Yeah. Do you know where Ty Jerome was drafted that year? He was ahead of... 24. Uh, yeah, he was ahead of Poole. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah he I was drafted ahead of Jordan Poole. Exactly. Yeah. And so it... it, it, it Two-way players, there is a stigma attached. Like two-way players are scrubs, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's not. That's not. It's just not. Sometimes true. it is, but sometimes it's not. It's yeah. not always yeah. true. And the Warriors have been able to do more with their two. I mean, Juan Toscano Anderson was a two-way player. Gary Payton the second was there a two-way go. player. There you go. I mean, these are like the Warriors have done. That's, that's something that their organization deserves credit for. Is they found two-way players that can be rotation players. That's not a slight. And that's actually a to, good thing. You have to do that when you're so far into the luxury tax. You don't Your exactly moves are limited because yeah. you're, because even minimal minimum yeah. contract players. Yes. It's a means to get minimum contract players that don't cost the minimum. In fact, yeah. they cost far less than the minimum. And right. they don't count on the luxury tax the way that, that those players that have those full-blown contracts yeah. would. Scrub Ty Jerome was a first-round pick. who's actually picked four slots ahead of Jordan Poole. No, no doubt. Yeah. And so I think that that is something that, that the fans do have to... I, I think fans do have to get over the fact that there, there's a stigma attached to... Like two way, oh, two way guys stink, and that's just I, I don't know. It's it's unfair to them. It is, and a lot of times two way players are two way players because they may not have the upside of some of the picks, or they are former picks that things haven't gone exactly mm-hmm. well, and they're mm-hmm. trying to get back. It's just a different. It's just a different lot in the NBA trajectory. And can I ask you, sure. sir, what you think they're going to do? It looks like they're going to have to make a choice between those two guys yeah. for a roster spot. I have no idea. I, I, And I don't think they know, to be honest, right now. Lamb seemingly was a lock a few weeks ago, but he's been pretty bad lately. And I think the Warriors are afforded the luxury of not having to make a decision right now. I, I think if they're fully healthy, it, it's funny, if they're fully healthy at the guard spot, Steph That's Clay... It. And DiVincenzo Poole and even Gary Payton the second if you he don't comes need back. Ty Jerome. If you have that, those are five. And I know Payton is a hybrid player. He isn't a true guard. But if you have those five plus Moody, who wouldn't play a lot in the playoffs, but but would be on the roster. To me, if you have those five, Whitey, you don't need Ty Jerome, and Ty Jerome wouldn't play. I think. 
on the front line, you might be more inclined to still want have want to have Anthony Lamb as an option to play. Especially that's what Dan Gundy said, and I, I, I like Ty Jerome, but that's I think it's leaning that way. That just makes the most sense, even though Jerome's played better Lamb because of the size and positionally, I think he's probably a better bet to get that slot. And I don't think Anthony Lamb necessarily, that would even mean that he would be in the rotation in the playoffs right. necessarily, but he would right. be a guy that you would just want to have available if somebody got hurt or if somebody got in foul trouble or for certain matchups where you think he would be a, a playable player to come in and, and knock down some threes and, and, and play simply. So I think it is, a, it is a tricky situation. I think Jerome, though, lately, and Jerome, when the Warriors have been shorthanded at the guard spots, has been really effective and, and stabilizing and, and a good player. He's going to be an NBA player because of his time with the Warriors. I also think this. If that ends up mattering, if it's significant, which of those two they end up keeping, they're probably in so much trouble that it, that they're not going to get very far anyway. Well, what if, is the if which of those two guys? You know, if it's really crucial, what you get out of those two guys in the end of the regular season and the postseason, you're probably not close to doing anything significant anyway. What is the perfect world rotation for the Warriors in in the playoffs? It's it's Steph. Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, that's five. Pool. And then it's Pool, it's DiVincenzo, six, seven. Mm-hmm. It's probably Kaminga, eight. Yeah. And then who GP2? knows? GP2? Yeah, I mean, GP2, nine. Idea? Yes, yeah. GP2, yeah. nine. Yeah. Like at that point, it's that. And then, you know, does Jermichael Green have to play a little bit? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could split up Draymond and Looney, not have to play Jermichael Green. I think he's more matchup based. But yes, that nine. Assuming GP2 is healthy, and I should have included him, but he's, he's well, kind of... Well, understandable why you didn't, yeah. Uh, but yes, that's the nine. Yeah. And so in a perfect world, you're probably not playing... Exactly. You're probably not point. playing Jamaica a lot, or Lamb, or Ty Jerome. Yes, exactly. If, if, all, if all things are equal. So I think they can allow it to go down to the wire on that. All right, 888-957-9570. We got two hours down, one hour to come. It's JD and Whitey, Warriors this week, 95.7 the game. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.